lose this gaggle of geese. We don't have a choice. We have to do what we have to do. Yep. yep. I feel reasonably <laughs> confident I can. We're jocks and jills. All right, here we go. <laughs> One, two, three. Welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. It's, what day is it? It is a Thursday. It's a Thursday. It's like our, it's our normal day, my normal day. Um, we are in Cleveland at the Quicken Loans Arena, just off the court. Um, it's practice day today, although the teams aren't going to practice. Uh, anyway, I'm with Kevin Arnovitz um, and Andrew Hahn. We may be joined a little later by a cast of characters that we normally get. Um and uh, we obviously have a game last night, but I want to start talking off about the Sixers. Brian Colangelo uh, resigned today. Um, the press conference hasn't actually taken place yet, so we will um, we will by the time this comes out, we will have heard some commentary that we have statements from everybody. Um, so we're going to be a little bit behind on that with the podcast situation. But Kevin, you've spent a lot of time with the Sixers this season, written extensively about them. Um, what are your thoughts? This was an organization that was gathering stability, right? And and that was, you know, whether you're a Brian Colangelo person, you're not a Brian Colangelo person. This was a figure who was endorsed as a as a as, as a mainstream as executive can get in the NBA, right? He brings in a, a, a team of unimpeachable people. And uh, we are, we're now prepared for this long reign of stability for an organization that really hasn't had it for the better part of two decades. So this is incredibly disruptive. Uh, Brett Brown has now been named the interim uh, head of basketball operations. Um, I, I have large meta takeaways, Brian, about how terrible this platform is, how it appeals to everybody's worst vanity, uh, how it makes people care about critiques and criticism more than they actually should. Uh, just the, the, the rank disregard, uh, for good judgment, whether or not it, it was Brian, whether or not it was his wife. Um, but, it, but it, if anything, it, it has disrupted an organization that is, was well on its way to sort of a serene, uh, period of, uh, you know, of, of what will be prosperity, whether or not it, it ends in an NBA championship or, or just being very good for a very long time. Uh, it, it is, it is a, it's bananas. Um, yeah, he didn't, he's not getting his due process here. Um, but he, he's good. What do you mean by that? Well, he didn't get to like present an active defense. And even the law firm who they hired to, um, to investigate this said in their statement today that they can't prove that he was directly involved. And they sort of danced around the fact that they didn't think that he actually was directly responsible so so he's losing his job for something that they can't demonstratively prove that he did however um they don't have the luxury of vetting this whole due process out so in other words he's kind of being treated somewhat unfairly in terms of being able to defend himself but he's compromised there's i don't think there's any other way to say it he's compromised both with people within the organization itself because he did some criticism of 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 those people um the way at least it came out and he also was compromised with potentially new members of the organization all right so and i and i, and I am a due process guy um you have the definition of a due process guy. i am a due process guy but so i would say a couple of things I mean, one is, you know, this is, this is not a court of law, right? This is a private entity, the Philadelphia 76ers, whatever their devil Sixers world is, um, the, the Harris Blitzer entity, um, which doesn't necessarily... Yeah, I mean, as long as they pay them. Well, that, that, that's an interesting well, I'm sure question. they are. I'm, well, I'm, sh- I'm sure they are, yes. Uh, you know, but, you know, the, the, the counter would be, you made a mess. Now, you made, now, whether or not you, you made a mess in in May slash June, where they don't have the luxury of waiting right for it to um, cool off, or you could argue, listen, if it was indeed he had absolutely no awareness, uh, there was. Are you responsible for the conduct of your kin in a, in a job, right? Like, let's say well, your let, spouse let, Brian started. Okay. 
Yes. Mouthing off editorial it, opinions about ESPN personalities, uh, maybe wrongs that were done unto you, let's say, in the course of the job, uh, did it with a burner account. Now, obviously, you're a less public person than Brian Colangelo, but are you responsible for the conduct of your kin with very sensitive information? In many situations, no. In this situation, probably yes. Okay. Um, I think the, the one of the most damaging parts of this, one of the most indicting parts of this, is that in um, after the, the Ringer kind of set a trap for him. Um, the Ringer told they knew of five accounts, and they told um, the Sixers about two of them, and they watched, and within moments. Or short period of time. I don't know about those moments. Short period of time, all five accounts went silent or private. That, to me, is the most indicting piece of information because um, that, to me, makes it clear that Brian Colangelo knew his wife was doing this. Or at least, I mean, it makes it clear. It makes me very suspicious that he did. Unless, again, she's intercepting his calls and emails where he would have, where she would have heard. Um, that, to me, is hard to get around. Now, he made, he made a statement today where he he pretty aggressively blamed his wife for everything. Um, and he also said that they were inaccurate and they do not represent his own views or opinions of the organization. Brian, how do you... Oh, this is Andrew. Sorry. Hi, Andrew. We introduced you, I think. Oh, okay. Well, I was running around looking to try and wrangle up other cast of characters, as you mentioned at the top. No cast to be found yet. Just a lot but of characters. Plenty of characters, though. Just the characters, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a difficult situation. He even says, we're a family. We'll work through this together. Um, to be honest with you, since he's out, he's got, he's got to say, he's got to say that it's not his fault because he's going to try to get another job sometime. Um, but I didn't know if he needed to completely throw his wife under the bus like that. He should just have said, it was a mistake that this that this happened, um, and I will move forward with my career. But he really did throw her. He did really did throw her under the bus. You know, her actions were seriously misguided. And while I recognize how inappropriate these actions were, she acted independently without my knowledge or consent. She may have acted without his consent, but I wonder if he acts without his knowledge. But I don't want to parse every word in here. He was compromised, and you know. Interesting that Brett Brown was chosen, not anybody else in the front office. Brett Brown was chosen to lead the basketball operations for the time being. Um, I can't imagine that stays that way. No. Um, I, I don't know that Brett would want that job. But uh, you know, a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion of David Griffin. I mean, I obviously know David Griffin very well. I think he would be a tremendous choice to lead a franchise. He, I mean, he, he has a Venn diagram here. He is both probably the best available candidate on the market – and a candidate that, if you were trying to woo certain high-profile players, uh, has the seal of approval of, of, of the top talent in the league. And by the way, I think it's important not only if you were, let's say, trying to uh, woo one LeBron James, but frankly, any other free agent. Yeah, I mean, It's very rare that a, a top two or three player is on the record with, with, with vehement statements supporting a general manager who is not currently in office for his team. And, and LeBron has done that on, on Griffin's behalf. Yeah, I I, th- I also think that uh, Danny Ferry is an interesting candidate here. Um, Ferry interviewed for their uh, general manager job twice. He was offered it once, turned it down to take the Hawks job. Um, interviewed again when they hired Brian Colangelo. Um, so he knows the ownership, has been offered the job by the ownership, um, and he has a long-standing relationship with Brett Brown. The executive mentioned Ferry's name to me yeah. uh, on Monday. Uh, do you replace baggage with baggage? It certainly is an issue. Um, Danny, again, has interviewed for several GM jobs since he left Atlanta. Uh, interviewed in Brooklyn, interviewed in Philadelphia. He was a candidate in Milwaukee last year but didn't interview. And he was suggested to the Bucks by Adam Silver. Um, so he has the backing and support of the league. We know that David Blitzer and Josh Harris lean on Adam before. They leaned on Adam when they made their move here. Um, Danny Ferry also has a relationship with LeBron James. Not that they're going to go that route. Um, I'm just saying he's another candidate that I think merits consideration here beyond just the assumption that David Griffin is going to be the guy. Absolutely. And he's in, incredibly capable. I mean, this is and, he's, and he's worked, and he's worked the last two years for the New Orleans Pelicans. By the way, 
have made some really smart decisions and he's been in a consultant. He's, he would be the first to tell you that Dell Demps has been the guy who's done these deals, but he's been a consultant in an organization that has done a pretty good job the last couple of Didn't years. You and I, I remember when we reported the Atlanta story the summer of 2015, the notion was is he would spend quote two years in executive, uh, what they call it, what, GM jail. Uh, that, and two years has expired. Um, that's what, that's what Greg Popovich told him. Right. He said you were facing a two year, a penalty for your misjudgment. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you this though. It's a pretty damn important hire. And, um, you know, the Sixers are, in my mind, the most upwardly mobile team in the league. Maybe the Celtics, it's kind of weird because the Celtics are upwardly mobile because they're getting players that they have back from injury. But in terms of improving the roster, in my mind, the Sixers who have the 10th pick, cap space, trade assets. There's not a more elastic team. Yes. Um, so who, so first off, it's a very, very desirable job. Yes. In fact, some guys who have jobs may be interested in leaving theirs to go there. So the Sixers, while I think that it is imperative that they have somebody in place before July 1st, um, they also should vet the entire market, even guys who are not technically on it at this point. Um, is there any kind of cascading fallout to this beyond Colangelo? Like, uh, Jerry Colangelo was the consultant for the team before Brian got hired as a general manager. Uh, Adam Silver is the one that went, went ahead and recommended, uh, Brian, I think, for the general manager spot. Does, do any of them get any blemishes or tarnishes from this? Well, I think in the days and weeks ahead, we will hear and they'll be reporting more about what went behind, on behind the scenes of this because I'm going to be careful how I say it. I'm, I'm just going to step back. I'm looking forward to their being reporting about what may or may not have been happening behind the scenes, especially over the last week on this. This was something that took days to play out for a reason. There was a lot of machinations. Well, effect. one of the assumptions I had is, obviously, if an executive is dismissed for cause, right, uh, that executive does not have claim on, on future earnings or owed to him. Uh, and if an organization would want to not have to uh, pay out the the term of that contract. They would have to demonstrate that they took great care uh, and went through a very arduous process, hiring the most unimpeachable law firm and with, with the with the evidence gathered in a thorough investigation. Then and only then made their decision. And my assumption has been that the reason this is quote dragged out is because an organization, when dealing with the termination and the possibility of millions owed in the future, does need to sort of show its work if it ever comes that uh, there needs to be a negotiation over those future yeah. earnings. Yeah, well, let's move on from this and just and we'll talk a little bit about this will be, can be debated and discussed for quite some time. Andrew, you had asked that the, one of the lar- with the industries of Cleveland were, I think, vacuuming is a leading industry in Cleveland. Legitimately? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, if, if you ask Mr. Windhorst, he would say sadness is a leading industry. Oh, I said grief, right? I, uh, I gave Andrew a tour of the city yesterday. <sighs> How did I not get an invitation to this? How would you describe that tour? Um, I would say five stars, and I would give Ryan a very generous tip for his, uh, his Uber piece. There wasn't like one of those little double-decker buses and you were up top? I, we don't have that here. No. But I, I gave Andrew a real tour where I told him real facts. I will say, Brian. Positive and negative. I find you to be a very genial person. And I don't know what it is about the city, but there's there's a lot more surliness, a lot more You're much surlier in this arena than you are in any other of the 29 arenas I've been. Interesting. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> um, there may be something to there. You may not need... Um, LeBron giving psychological analysis as he offered to Mark Schwartz last night. Uh, 
Um, last night we saw a historically great performance from Kevin Durant. Um, I, the Warriors are just a tremendous team. And last night, they don't play smart every night, but they played smart last night. And uh, um, they're going to win their third title in four years. They're definitely, you know, in the dynasty zone right now. Um, but they haven't played their best in two of the three games in this series. And they're up 3-0. So a couple things that kind of stood out to me last night. There are two ways to really excel in the NBA as a team. One is to perfect a system. And I'm talking here about the San Antonio Spurs. Um, the other is just to have a transcendent superstar who can, can score at will uh, outside of the system, can break off and win you ball was games. That, that's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, right? Right. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was just in here for some reason. We should have had him on the podcast. We should have had him on the podcast. Um, no. And with the Warriors... RJH. Good to R RHJ. Yes. With a hyphen. Yes. Sorry. Um, and what the Warriors have done since the acquisition of, of Durant essentially is say, we can go either way. And on nights when the system fails us, when that pass-happy offense gets sloppy or or, or, or or the shooters off those splits aren't hitting shots, go there. And and they can they can wonder power wonder let's, twins power activate. I have I have used let's workshop this. I, I wanna I wanna come up with a term. I've I've said that they have an MVP in reserve, but that doesn't quite quantify it. I think it's the most valuable insurance policy in the history of professional sports. Yeah, but nobody wants to be the insurance policy. No. They want to be the the asset being insured. You like Durant would never call himself an insurance policy. Never. What they have a fail safe. They have a they have a redundancy. They have they have MVP redundancy, and MVP redundancy played in last night um, tremendously. Uh, uh, the thing about it is, like, the Cavs have to sit there. Obviously, the Cavs thought they could have won game one, should have won game one. They look there last night. They see Steph go one for whatever from three-point range. They see Clay not play well. Um, they had a really good first half. You know, one of their best halves that they've had in the series, and they're down three zero. Like a, a, a year ago, you know, they were down two zero. They came in here, they had a, uh, an eight point lead, or a, uh, was it maybe like a seven point lead uh, late in the fourth quarter of game three. They blew it. They blew out. They blew out the Warriors in game one, and they are in game four. And they sat around all summer saying this could have been two two, and it's a three game series, and we have the best player. You never know. Um, but it, that was not reality. Reality was that they blew that game with the 11-0 run they allowed. The Warriors took it, and that was the case. And now I'm just telling you, like, they're they're sitting there thinking to themselves, it could be 2-1. And at, while they're right, it's not. And the better team has outlasted them and outplayed them when it's mattered. And it is not 2-1. It is 3-0. One of the frustrations I have with the way we talk about the Cavs, and it's, A, it's LeBron and everybody else, and they're an inferior team in terms of talent – is I go back to this system thing and like watching them trying to devise a well-timed defense to the Warriors, which is impossible. Look, I mean, I'm not suggesting that any team can really do it for long stretches of time, but part of that flip switching, it's not even about, oh, you should try hard in December for virtue's sake. It's, it doesn't work that way. Like, and I was talking to an assistant um, on the Warriors staff and, you know, one of the things they said is, you know, they really have amped up and ratcheted up their effort individually. Like, there isn't a guy on that floor for the Cavs who isn't defending with 100% effort. He's like, but the timing's off. When we're watching film, their timing's off. And that's something that has to be perfected over the course of a season. Habits. And it's about building habits. Exactly. And this is a team that I don't want to pile on because I admire a lot about him, but, like, has a just an arrogant indifference <laughs> to habit building that just feels and and I don't know if it's it's the reliability on LeBron and given who he is there's a feel that we don't have to the smartest kid in the class can walk into the final and do fine you know at least score an A minus but it just it, it's part of me is sort of like I, I have a certain level of sympathy but like you've shown absolutely no interest in well, doing that kind of work I know I, I know but part of me is like part of me is like how do you explain? How do you defend for a thirty-three footer from Durant at the end of the shot clock? They played good defense on it. It's not that possession. It's the 
the LeBron, it's it's the Draymond from the high post to it's, JaVale. Because it, yes, it's, they get caught on switches, and then exactly. you, you have a guy flashing open to the rim. You're not going to defend that uh, yeah. from Durant. This is a, an interesting uh, thought experiment. Then, since both of you guys covered the LeBron era Heat in Miami, would that team have been appropriately set up to guard and take down this Durant level Warriors? It's an interesting question, Andrew. You know, that team played very aggressive defense. They trapped picks at the top of the key, and it required an incredible amount of energy. I mean, it's one of the reasons why those teams got to the end of the season and just flopped over the finish line. Um, They would trap, and they would rotate, and Bosch would move around, LeBron would move around, and they would generate uh, massive amounts of turnovers and create fast break points and go on these instantaneous 12-0 runs, 15-2 runs. Um, I think Matt Moore, uh, who was with CBS at the time but now is with the Action Network, he coined the phrase the flying death machine that would just sort of turn on. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't stop them. Um, given how prone the Warriors are to turning the ball over, in a seven game series, I think there will be moments where the, where the heat would embarrass them. Having said that, the heat never had to cover the ground. And one of the things about the heat, you could pass your way through it. If you competently threw three passes, you could beat the heat. San Antonio and, Spurs. Then they did. And the wager essentially of the heat was making, you're not going to make three good passes before we get to you. Right. And, um, there are nights when the Warriors, throw three good passes on like 75% of the possessions. So I think it would be an interesting series. I have no idea. I mean, it's it's hard to compare because LeBron was at this physical peak at that point. Um, you know, the Heat... And had, Dwayne plays gaps as well as anybody. He was Dwayne, a perfect system Dwayne's one of the that. one yeah. of the best. I mean, shot blocking, stealing, one of the best defense, defensive wings, playmaking defense, playmaking defense, defensive ways. It, it was, it was a system. It was a system. It, it, the helpline is going to be way the hell over here. Um, you know, the freedom to let LeBron and, and, and Wade, you know, make what I call defensive reads, um, provisional st- decisions on, on, based on what's materializing on the floor. Bosch was w- maybe the best pick and roll big man defender oh, of his time. Chris Bosch was you know, such a great player. You know, and, and, and Mario could fight over. Like, 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 that's the thing. Like, they Mario, had a really good defense. Mario personnel. defended. Mario had yeah. long arms, and Mario executed in the clutch. He was a great clutch player. Um, obviously, back to college. So, I would love to watch that. Oh, that'd be a great. I was just thinking, like, just like 2012 Heat versus 2018. Or the 27 game winning streak was the peak peak of LeBron's um, athletic athletic career. Um, you go back and, and you look at the games that he played within that streak, um, and the stats that he put up and everything. That was his absolute peak. Now he, the way he plays with such confidence now, and the way he uh, th- executes and is so efficient, he, he's he's a, it's, he's a different player now. But 2012 LeBron was uh, superior athlete and now a superior game manager today Ma- yeah and and yes G- good game manager that's good he's more so, of a game manager I, now. I love watching him manage the game um but the thing about it is so so like you know the story that i wrote after the game last night this is you know durant played against lebron 21 times when he was with the thunder both in miami and cleveland they both averaged 29 points in, both lebron and durant did 29 points against each other they both averaged they both shot exactly 50 percent LeBron had a, a, averaged like a one more rebound a game and a couple more assists. But essentially, they pl- they were very comparable stats against each other. Durant was 4-17. and 4-17, including obviously 1-4 in, in the 2012 finals. And, and then had help, right? I mean, it wasn't as if he was a For sure. Man. For sure. That's, that's what, what's that, so that's interesting about it. So since, LeBron, since Durant's come over to, to Golden State two years ago, they've played uh, 12 times because of the finals. And both average 32 points. Both are shooting 53%. Again, LeBron, a, a little bit more rebounds, more assists. But again, it's not like one guy's dominated the other. They are putting up the exact same numbers against each other, just as they did when he was with Golden, when he was with Oklahoma City. But now he's 10 and 2.
So, Andrew, a few weeks ago, I got a uh, package in the mail that you sent to me, or you had sent to me. Yes,、uh, I don't. I don't do my own package postal work. What is it called? Mail sending. Oh, this is. Yeah, and I also. And I also got a、uh, a package from Dollar Shave Club, which is separate from the other package you sent me. <laughs>、uh, no, but you、uh, you had Dollar Shave Club send me their their kit that I think they, I think anybody can get for the five dollar、um, uh, fee to join them.、Um, you know, it's razors. There, there's there's creams and gels, and、um, you never you know as Seinfeld once said, you never. Well, he, he didn't say it, but Jackie Childs once said, you never know what a bomb can do. So I'm. I don't know about those creams and gels. I'm not a creams and gels guy, but、um, I have to say,、um, I used the razor, and you know, it was a pretty close shave.、Um, and, I have、uh, a question: If you're not a、yeah. cream or a gel person, then what do you use to what like lather your face? Oh, I just go straight. No, I'm just kidding.、Uh, I use saliva. No,、um, I、uh, <laughs> no, I use I use shaving cream, but these are special pre and post. There, there, there's a whole cream and gel system that they send to you. Yeah, and there's butters and things like that, and I haven't delved into that yet. But、um, I would say the razor was—it was a very close shave. And I mean, it sounds cliche to say that, but even like seven or eight hours later, I was like, man, I was a—that was a pretty close shave. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I certainly have.、Um, but like, the, what they charge for razors,、um, the other companies, like. It was just an absolute scandal, and they've had to drop their prices. Like all of a sudden, they've dropped their prices by thirty or forty percent because of Dollar Shave Club. Because Dollar Shave Club was providing、um, equal or better razors for like a fraction of the price, and so they were getting undercut. And so、uh, I gotta say, it is a quality razor for a lot less、um, price, and so、uh, I have to advocate for it, Andrew. Why? Why is it called Dollar Shave Club? If the package is—is is it like oh, like a dollar a day type thing? I think you know.、Uh, I think you know, basically like a dollar a week or something like that.、Okay. I don't know. I, I really don't know why.、Um, it's certainly less dollars. Like you know, I would buy them at the grocery store, and like you know, once a month or once every six weeks. And you do you go to the grocery store, and like all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, why is my、it's、bill unconscionably、like、expensive? Yes. Thirty-five dollars higher than normal. Right. Oh, that's right. I had to buy razors this time around, and so、um, already even before I started using Dollar Shave Club, I was benefiting from them because they drove down the price so much that、uh, it was it was already positively impacting me. And and so now that I have the product, I'm just using it, and、um, it is a smooth, close shave. And、uh, you can try the bombs and the, and the butters and the whatnots too. I'm sure those are very good, but I haven't. Ventured into that realm yet?、Um, but、um, you can join Dollar Shave Club today, and for just five bucks, you get the free shipping and that、uh, six-blade、uh, trial size,、um, which is maybe it's the extra blade. I don't think the the, the razor that I used before had six blades. Maybe the extra blade is why it's so so close. I don't know, but definitely was close.、Um, so you can sign up for five bucks and get that trial size plus the shave butter, the body cleanser. Oh yeah, there's these one wipe Charlies, which I have not had a chance to use yet, but certainly they can't hurt, Andrew. They're you know personal hygiene wipes. I didn't、um, I didn't really understand what those wipes were. I was confused. Well, you you know I would assume that you use them to wipe yourself wherever you need wiping. Some places need more than others, <laughs>、uh, but you can get a trial size of all those.、Um, I'm going to try the one wipe Charlie today. In fact. I think today's a good reason. I haven't broken that out yet, but there's no reason why I shouldn't. Then you can keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month.、Uh, get yours at dollarshaveclub.com/hoop. That's dollarshaveclub.com/hoop. That says it all, right? Essentially, they perform just as competitively as they did before. 
He went from four and seventeen to ten and two. Um, he outmaneuvered LeBron. So now, what does LeBron do? And that, and, and what I hear you suggesting is that somehow LeBron's decision is very much informed by Durant's path. Shelly, come sit down. To take a microphone. Take a microphone. Shelly. Shelly Smith, you have plenty to continue. Come over here. Shelly, I know you've never used a microphone before. Uh, Ramona Shelburne and Shelly Smith have joined us. Ramona, you made an announcement. Is that public? Yeah, go ahead. Why not? What's, what, what's your announcement that you made last week? Yeah, well, I've got a little, I've got a little shortstop in the oven here. Got a little baby boy on the way in September. He's going to yeah. be a shortstop. I've already decided. Maybe center field. I was oh, like, you were an outfielder, Ramona. Yeah, I was an outfielder, but I was a shortstop first. You know, he's definitely not going to be tall. Cause is he going to be right-handed? Because there are very few left-handed shortstops. I think maybe left-handed. See, there's very few left-handed you shortstops. You know that. You can't say well, that. Well, my husband's left-handed. Well, so my dad's left-handed. That's Shelly Smith. So first right-handed. baseman. ESPN yeah, legend. First baseman are left-handers. lefty reliever. Lefty reliever. Now, those are solid after. Definitely going to make him a switch hitter, though. A loopy. Yeah. Now, yeah. Shelly Smith, ESPN legend, just want to make sure she legend. was introduced. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, sure get that in there. Now, <laughs> would you, will you want him to be a, is it him? Yeah, it's a little boy. Okay, I just wanted yeah. to make sure I didn't. Are you looking for like a slap average, uh, hit for average, or do you want like power hitting? No, I'm, I was more of a hit for average, kind of like double gap hitter. Yeah. Like gap. I mean, like, you know, some power. It's, we're not talking Brett Butler here. Okay, we need some power. We need wow, Brett Butler you know. reference. Well, you know, it's funny. All three of us. You grew up an Indians yeah. fan. I grew up yeah. a Braves fan. Adult. Everybody got it. Everybody yeah. got we all got it. What if he yeah. wants to be a cheerleader? Um, Brett, he can be a cheerleader and a shortstop. All right. Brett Butler That's was one of the um, the leaders every year in triples. He's awesome. I love Brett Butler. He was, he was essential one of my players to the only up. good team I followed growing up, which was the 82 Braves. Well, that was love a big it. Brett. You guys want to know who my favorite player growing up was? No one will ever guess, but it's the name of my fantasy team forever. Raul Mondesi. Raul Mondesi. That was my favorite. I don't know why I picked that, but he was, I was a Dodger fan growing up in LA. I played right field. He played right field. I was number one, so the number didn't stick, but, um, I just liked how he played. Like I was like short and compact and muscular and all that. And I hit for power and average and speed and stuff. You were a badass. Well, he had a strong arm. Yeah, I was. He had a great stage. Yeah, I was. Yeah, Yeah. I was a badass. Thank you very much. I'm going to own that. Yeah, Ah, that's good. But like, (laughs) yeah. So I really loved how Mondesi played. I just liked his like, you know, I was a little crazy on the bases. You know, I was a little out of control, but in a good way, in a bad way sometimes. But like, I would make stuff happen. And like, I just loved Mondesi. Exactly. That's <laughs> true. It hadn't changed. So I think, but it was more like, I think like I was supposed to be taller. Um, I'm, I, I, that's my theory always. Cause I have like, I have the same complaint. Yeah, I know. I was, I think, it, you know, I wish I was a little bit taller. I don't wish. I think I was supposed to be a little bit taller. Um, but what then I got happened? squished. Oh, Somebody got must squished. have squished me because oh. I am very like short and compact, you know? So, um, and muscular. So like, I think if it would have been different if it was like five, six, I would have like had a whole different <laughs> career. That's my theory. Five six is still short. Uh, he's trying to be a five two. Back to the old basketball. Yeah, um, Shelly, you've seen a lot of games. What did you think of Durant last night? Um, didn't we just leave here and we're back? This is a very strange I scheduling. I thought it's, it was an uh, unbelievable game. Obviously, yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant just. I, we were sitting. I was sitting with like a lot of these old writers uh-huh. who I love. You know, yeah. the guys who've been around forever, and. We were, I take offense to that, Shelley. No, I know. I know old. the gray hair is coming a no. little bit, but you know, it's, I don't know their last name, but it's Fred and Ken and Tom. And, gotcha. Yeah, and <laughs> we were. Everybody was just amazed every time he hit a shot. It was like holy smoke. So that clearly was the story of the game. Here's what was interesting to me last night about Durant is that he has not been transcendent during these playoffs. Like he's so good and so talented, he can score even when he's not playing correctly or the right way and he's not in his zone and last night he was finally in his zone. Like there was there's a couple games at the beginning of that Houston series I felt like he was he kept a minute, like he was scoring just in buckets, but we saw him devolve into Oklahoma Kevin a few times yeah, in that series. I think he was below 50%, like yeah. 5 out of 6 games right. over the course. But he's so good. Like like I think finals. Steve's actually had a quote where he's something to the effect of um 
you know, Kevin can get 25 points no matter what. It's how he gets those 25 points. You don't even notice. Yeah, you don't even notice. Yeah, you don't even notice. And the question is, how is he going to get it? Well, the last couple of games, and you could see this coming, he was starting to go, starting to really play the right way. And he was starting to share the ball. He was starting to be more efficient. I loved him in game two. Yeah. Like it was Steph's game. That's right. But watching him dish off the attack is just something I I so badly want to see you do on a regular line? basis. Game two was one of the best games the Warriors have played this year. Yeah, you're right. Really? Um, game one and three, they were not at full capacity, yeah. which is why the Cavs are kicking themselves. But they're so good that see, they can the win when they're not at full capacity. You know, I know LeBron had the quote last night, it's like playing, playing the Patriots. I disagree. Like I understand what he means by that and that, that you have very little margin for error. But the Patriots are known for their execution. They're known for... And they cheat. <laughs> That's why we got her on the pod. <laughs> I love it. But they're known for discipline, regimentedness. They don't say anything. They don't do anything. The Warriors right? like, are not disciplined. Th- no, the Warriors were 26 in the league in turnovers. They are, they are disciplined defensively, though. They, they, yeah. I, I, I always, Sometimes. I interpret it as something else. I, I, I interpret it as LeBron kind of saying that they're adaptable. They can be whatever yeah, yeah. the game demands. That's right. You want to be a pass happy system team? Great. You want to be the Kevin Durant All Stars? That's fine too. You want to play kind of fast and, and and lean? Yeah, we can do that. You want us to pick them apart in the half court? We can do that too. Like to me, what I, I I took the Patriot metaphor to mean is that they are so they can be whatever brand of team the game demands at any moment because they're more talented. Because they're more talented. That's because it. It just comes down to they are they can more talented. Morph themselves into whatever fast, slow, yeah. big, small, uh, half court execution ish, ISO. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They lead the league in every style. So to me, the the thing that LeBron's going to be ta- got to be asking himself is. What do, what do I really need to beat them? Do I need another like white hot superstar, or do I need like a team of you know malleable players? Who do they need to get to keep him? Shelly, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, t- t- to me, the only way to functionally get another significant piece is to trade the number eight pick. Yep. But they can't just trade the pick. The, 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 when you make a trade in the NBA, you have to send out salary. Yeah. So they have to, gonna have to send players or player to get it. So I don't know who they have to send unless you're talking about Kevin Love. And cause I don't think anybody's taken Tristan Thompson or J.R. Smith. Those are their other, or George Hill. Those are their Did big people sales. in Cleveland forget how bad it was the last time he left? Have they forgotten? They're happy that they won a championship. You know, I think uh, I've heard this from a lot of people is that they don't care if he leaves or stays. Yeah. It's not like before. Have they forgotten? Like, I mean, I know there's this sense. There's a little bit of LeBron fatigue because of everything that comes with him because of the level you play at. We've been asking questions of guys in the team. Like, isn't it hard to play with LeBron? Like, isn't there so much pressure on you, right? And like, I think Roddy Hood gave a good answer the other day. And you know, when you the stage and the magnification not of everything Kobe that pressure, happens, though, right? Remember the the pressure. It's not like Kobe pressure. Well, Kobe would just yell at you to fit your face. Right. This is like the whole world watching everything you do, and every move you make is scrutinized. Well, right? I mean, I, I actually think that the Cavs should do is they should triple, double, or triple the size of the uh, championship banner that they won in 2016. And then just pretend it's three. Well, because. With each moment that passes, it, that accomplishment only looks bigger. Interesting. You know? Okay, so, That's I mean, there, there's a lot of radical ideas out there of, like, what they could do, what the Cavs could do to get better. Um, I have a radical to keep, idea. To keep LeBron. Okay, you want to just, just go for it? LeBron should call Durant at the end of the finals and ask Ooh. if he'd be interested in teaming up. I like that idea. Yeah. That would be... I, I mean, from a legacy standpoint, it's Durant not good for either Durant of Durant can't do it. But I'm just saying, I would make the call. Yeah, why not? <laughs> hey, Draymond did Who it. could do it? Exactly. I know. I mean, Durant isn't such a, he may not be 100% happy because of all the dynamics, but he's going to have his second championship and he's going to get paid. And I will, I'll see, I'll be interested to see, I'll be interested to see how many years he signs for. He has the option to. Do you think he starts going on the, on the LeBron plan? Well, he has been on the LeBron plan. He should go on the LeBron plan. He will make more money by going another one plus one. Yeah. I mean, but he has the option. He game. has the option to sign a four-year max. Right. So well, I'll just he can do the five-year max after next season. Correct? That's true. That's true. It's I'm more just, money, but I'll just without getting into the machinations yeah. of it, he has the option to sign a four-year max, or mm-hmm. he can sign a one-year contract. Here's here's the thing about Kevin, and I think it's relevant when we think back on LeBron's history too. 
when you think back to him going to Miami, both of you guys were there for that. Um, you know, there was the sense that like he could never really resurrect his legacy after leaving and winning a championship in Miami. Like the championship in Miami was meaningful, but it was not as meaningful as winning in Cleveland. Correct? Sure. Like I said, they should make this the banner bigger. I just think the legacy thing is crock. A championship is a uh-huh. cha- no one is going to look back at the totality of a career uh-huh. and say, "Well, you know, he played with a really good guy in Miami, two of them actually." Like no one, <laughs> it's just madness. Like I just yeah. think that the the well Durant's legacy, that thirty three footer, that's legacy, my yeah. friend. Well, There's a picture of it up in the Warriors training night. facility right now. He's making it right. He bandwagon. No, nobody. I mean, no one looks. Not back five, not six, not seven. I mean, that's part of the legacy. It's. It, it, I don't know. I just yeah. think the narrative is 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 big and rich and huge, and I don't think the highlights of that legacy get diminished by this stuff. I don't mean to sound yeah. Pollyannish about it. I just think when we talk, well, it hurts his leg. Oh God! I mean, I, yeah. I just I just don't buy it. I I kind of tend to agree with you. Like I think it comes down to the ring count at the end of the day, and like LeBron's going to get more of a pat. He's going to get the Jerry West treatment, but because of Look, it's not like he was ever favored in these series. Like, when has he ever lost as a favorite? He's, this is, he's been favored twice in nine. He lost one of them too. They were favored. Yeah, yeah that, that's the only one. So he's one under par. I mean, I, you know, because I, I was well, he's going to be three and six. It's like, yes, better he should not have made the final so he could be three and three. Like, but he's like, been so good in right exactly in these finals. Like, uh, that, like, how does this hurt his legacy? He's I, been so I don't know. Good. It, I think it just depends on who you're talking to. It'll it'll it, it evolves, but um, the Cavs are somewhat hamstrung hamstrung they're also hamstrung by the fact that to tr- to really use the eighth pick effectively they have to do it at the draft you don't want to pick a player because you pick a player you limit the teams you can do you have mm-hmm. to trade the pick mm. and at yeah. the draft they are not going i would be stunned i i guess it's not impossible but at the draft i would expect them not to have a commitment from lebron wow. and and wow. therefore they're go for it they can't they don't they don't know now some people would say yeah when LeBron leaves, he's an unrenewable resource. There will never be another player for 50 years that plays on this team like that and that you scrap and claw for every single possible season. And even yeah. if it's for just one more, it's the eighth pick. So what? Do it. Trade, call the Blazers and try to get CJ McCollum, whatever, yeah. you know, love and the eighth pick for McCollum and another piece that you like on the Blazers. Um, other people would say, uh, LeBron won't commit to the Cavs. The Cavs can't be held hostage by him. They need to pick the best player they can and begin ready to move forward. Other people, other people would say that. So we have so, uh, such short memories now. I think people forget everything that happened the last two times that LeBron made a big change. But, um, Kevin, we are fortunate to have two people in the room who were in Cleveland the first time LeBron left, Shelly, and the second Shelley, time. Those, when he came the, back, the, talk about those. those standing, I mean, street, standing those, outside that building in downtown Cleveland, sh- reporting Shelley, live. Shelly, Shelly, it was so hot. Oh yeah, it was miserable. <laughs> and in downtown, no, I was not hot. It was hot out. It was miserable. <laughs> you just said Shelly was so hot. I'm like, no, I wasn't hot. Shelly's hot, girl. No, it, it was so hot. <laughs> it was it was miserable. And, and, we were sweating, and it was wonderful to spend all those hours with you. But yeah, we could have done no. so in much more comfortable and then, conditions. Then we had to go to Akron, where it was hotter. Where it was hot. How was it hotter in Akron? There's no lake. I don't know. It was hot. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that was amazing. If if I could report today the way I reported back then, Twitter was in its infancy. Amazing. I had like thirteen yeah, thousand followers. Yeah. I was sitting in the in the. Um, we ought to just like Andrew. We ought to go back and just have a reading of my tweets. We really it was my finest hours on Twitter ever. Unfortunately, it was eight years ago. I was just sitting in the lobby of the yeah. of the of the building. Were you taking pictures too? Did no. it have that they capability coffee, at that point? Coffee shop. It was, yeah, it was, the coffee shop was <laughs> yeah. was like for six people, and it, we were all sitting there. And, and the elevator lobby was right there, and there was no place for them to wait. So uh-huh. I was just sitting there reporting. Yeah. On when everybody came and went. Right. And Here I was come like, the Knicks. And I remember Donnie Walsh with his neck brace. Right? Yes. And, and it was, you know, it was like, um, <laughs> well, the heater running long. Yeah. The Clippers are waiting in the hallway. Well, remember, you know, the Bulls can't get in the building. That brought in, remember, carts full of stuff, like carts full of yeah. beer or something. No, it was, it was like AV equipment. Yeah. Oh, I guess it was. 
I yeah. thought, I guess I was hoping it was, <laughs> you were just, but it, it was because they had a big presentation and the yes. whole thing. I yes. just remember all that. Um, that would never happen today, no. but, um, it was just such a different time. It um, was, you know, tweeting about Jay Z staying back and getting his private audience with LeBron. Right. And, and oh, you know, yeah, Prokhorov yeah, and the Nets group passing the Knicks oh, group yeah. in the hallway. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, and it was like, <laughs> you, like, you looked at the two groups and you're like, the Knicks ain't winning. No. You know, the Nets were so much more impressive looking. Um, they were. And he was, he's a cool guy. I mean, he's, you know, I think I thought he was bringing in cases of Russian vodka, but. I don't think that was true. LeBron, I remember LeBron came in when he was wearing like uh, basketball shorts and like, uh, yeah, like a t-shirt. Yeah. Now these guys are wearing $5,000, yeah, $8,000 exactly. suits. You know, Riley got there like super duper early, like 45 minutes before oh, yeah. LeBron did. And he was pacing in the hallway, like amping himself up. And, <laughs> um, you know. That's awesome. I'm picturing um, Riles like that. Well, but here's what's interesting. That's not going to happen anymore. Like LeBron's, he's he's over the meeting. Also, he I'm, doesn't need a meeting. I'm not going to be able to sit there and watch the entrance as they come and go. That, that yeah. was not going to. Well, be so so we've all had this like little evolution, right? So the last time I was in Vegas for when he was leaving the Heat, and my assignment for Sports Center was to like stake out the hotel where they were going to have the meetings. And there was just like two meetings. It was really just the heat and the Cavs that got meetings and the heat meeting actually happened back in the first one. The, no, the Cavs meeting, the first one with Dan happened back in Miami when Dan flew on that private plane. We didn't even know at that point. Right. Which was amazing that, you know, we were all tracking the plane and the tail number and all that. Um, and, but the second meet, right? Flightaware.com. He blocked it the next day. <laughs> it, was the, it was the greatest. And then the next time was, I remember being, it was, I guess I can say it now. It doesn't matter anymore, right? Um, it was at the, and it was in the tower suites, right? That's where all the players, you know, during mm. summer league and Olympics. So we were there and I was sitting in the lobby getting ready. And I, you know, me and my producer were there and Sean Fitzgerald was my producer. And so I had this one area by the elevators and he had out by the parking lot. So like we thought between the two of us, we would definitely, you know, catch the, the heat coming in or catch the calves coming in and, like we just basically sat there and saw nobody and then all of a sudden it was over and i was like how did they get past us we were in the only spots where there could be people coming in and the answer is we're such a high level of sophistication now they took the secret entrance there's like secret entrances to get of course. up through the through those elevators and towers and stuff it's like all that. that oceans 11 oh totally yeah especially in vegas it was the tiger woods entrance um but the person I did see as I was sitting right by the elevators was Phil Jackson. <laughs> and I Your old buddy. Like there was a like a thirty minute window where I like lost my mind. Like Phil's going up the elevators. Is Phil going to meet with LeBron? What's going on? What's happening? Oh my <laughs> paranoia god! Was paranoia was paranoia. Oh my god! Is there a is there a Knicks meeting? And I actually just was like, I just need to go over there and I just need to go ask Phil. Like. Am I going to do that? And of course I did that because that's very on brand, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't just sit there discreetly. And I went over to him and he was like, uh, very shocked to see me and nice about everything, but it wouldn't confirm or deny anything. And I later found out he was just like staying there, like <laughs> just going back to his room after a summer league game. But like, I'm wondering what this next free agency is going to be like. Is Will there even be meetings? Will he even meet face to face with anyone? If he, I think, um, if he's looking to leave, he has to meet with the owners. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have yeah. to sit face to face with the owners, right? Because the ownership is super duper important. Yeah, yeah. How about the GM? Since we not as not as not as important. Yeah, I don't think. So Andrew Hahn. A couple weeks ago, we were sitting around and you were telling me, and I can say this with uh, complete honesty, how much you enjoyed your sunbasket meals that you were getting. Yes, I do enjoy so them. So tell, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastically timed. This is, you can tell that we do this a lot. Um, but I do really enjoy the sunbaskets that I've been getting. Um, there was a... I believe it's Hungarian meatballs and quinoa pasta that I had this week. That sounded very weird, but then I I followed the directions. I put it all together. It tasted great. And every time I get one of these boxes from Sunbasket, I think about how when I first signed up our hosts for Sunbasket, you were so resistant to do it. 
and it makes me angry because I feel like you would like a lot of the stuff, Brian. Yeah, you know, I am a very picky eater, and it drives my wife crazy. Um, she would probably love it, especially when I'm on the road. Um, but you know, I do all the cooking in my house, so one thing that would appeal would appeal to me would be maybe them showing me new recipes that I could put my own slant on too. Like, all they do is they give you a recipe book, and there's a bazillion different options. There's like paleo that I think that Kevin keeps on insisting that he needs to get the paleo plan, gluten free, vegan, Mediterranean, etc., etc. And I feel like at a minimum. You would take all of these fresh ingredients that they would send you, and you're like, "No, I don't, I don't like cilantro. I'm not going to use this. But this, this piece of pork looks pretty good. I am going to use that. And like, oh, here's a good idea in this recipe book. I'll follow that part." Um, Brian, I, I feel like you should reconsider in trying to uh, try out this this Sun Basket product. Well, they have an app, and then there's 18 weekly recipes. I feel like if there's 18 recipes, there's got to be some in there that I would like, right? I would hope so. Um, uh, Sunbasket is, is 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 it appeals to the more well-rounded individual, which I am not. <laughs> but but maybe they could bring me one degree closer to it. What if if um, I contacted Sunbasket and I said Brian Winhorst is willing to try your product, and here's the three <laughs> the three needles <laughs> that he wants? Can we can we, can we give that a shot? I think it's. I think maybe we should. We should. I think I owe it as their supporters of our podcast. I I feel like I owe it to them for that. Right. So and, and maybe you know we should go down that route. And if it doesn't happen or you don't enjoy it, who would know, Brian? <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But listen, uh, all of my friends do like some sun baskets, so I can give their ring endorsement. And if you would like to try it. You can go to sunbasket.com slash hoop today to learn more. And you can get actually 35 bucks off your first order. That's a pretty damn good deal, I have to say. Sunbasket. Yeah. That sounds like a lot off. 35 <laughs> bucks off. Um, sunbasket.com slash hoop. That's sunbasket.com slash hoop. guys are re- retelling these last LeBron free agencies is it a foregone conclusion that he's leaving then he's is, is the assumption out. that everyone's leaving I don't think anything's a foregone conclusion but uh, I'm just gonna say like I don't like telling this story because it doesn't reflect well on David Griffin and it doesn't reflect well on LeBron in a weird way yeah. but the the LeBron folks swear that he did not know who the general manager of the Cavs was when he signed, when he committed. Yeah. I believe I that. find that very hard to believe. Really? LeBron doesn't know who the general manager is. I've ever seen He has a team. pretty superior intelligence gathering but, operation. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. They swear. And it's not meant, it was, when he, when they say that, it's not meant to be an insult to David Griffin. What the point that you're trying to make is, he selected the Cavs for reasons mm-hmm. that were not about ownership or, or the right. uh, or the direction of the team. And so, this time I expect to be different yeah. because 
the competency of the management and ownership is going to be so important. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, the concept that whoever the general manager is is going to swing it. I know. Is not like uh, I've, I've, I've been asked many times, I'm sure you guys all have been on podcasts of, hey, the Sixers should go get David Griffin. That would be the Trump card. It wouldn't they could hurt. Play. I mean, it I'm, wouldn't I, hurt, I, but I, I mean, listen, LeBron's a billionaire, you guys. Like, he. When you're trying to move probabilities a tenth of a percent, though, it's okay. certainly. Some I mean, familiarity an he, and an executive he likes, yeah. That, sure, that's in the plus column. But in terms of like looking someone in the eye and saying, can I entrust the final years of my career to you and your franchise? That's going to be billionaire to it's billionaire. Mean, it's owner. Yeah. Yes, exactly correct. And I don't know if he's ever going to have a full trust level, but he's got to have some sort of comfort that's right. level. But the interesting thing is when you start handicapping owners, who would you want that guy to be? Or a girl. Or a woman. Or go- well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean <laughs> since we're talking about the Lakers. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, let's put it this way. The the Lakers having the ability to bring Magic Johnson and Jeannie Buss into the room is a plus. LeBron knows who the general – I don't know if he – I assume he knows Rob Palenka. LeBron knows who runs the Lakers and owns the Lakers, right. okay? Um and there's a comfort level there because his agent has spent the last nine months around the Lakers, did a huge deal for Contavious Caldwell Pope. There is there is a familiarity level there. Um, the question is going to be, LeBron's not going to go to the Lakers because he thinks Magic Johnson is a great individual. With because Magic career. was his favorite player growing up. Right. He's he's yeah. he's going to go if he goes to the Lakers. It's going to be because what they can do for the rest of his career. That's right. So I think that that's important, and that's going to be all handicapped out. I just what do you, you think they can do though? And I'm just playing. This yeah. is not a loaded question. No, I agree I mean, with you. What, what can they do? So I think what's interesting, and and I think LeBron even had a quote yesterday. I'm going to go check the quote sheet because I, I, you know what we've learned from LeBron free agencies in the past, and Brian has been very good at reading tea leaves and, and picking up on all the crumbs that he leaves behind. When you look back, you wrote a whole book on it, right? Like the, it's a Junius Ogalskis night. was like the whole chapter of the book, right? Um, you know, I, and it was important. Um, he said something last night and it was talking about the types of players that are on the Warriors, the high basketball IQ, the good shooters, the people who can create space. I really think he has a very good understanding of the types of players he needs to win and he needs to play with. I think at this stage in his career, he needs to play with somebody who can help, who can create offense and take some of the load off of him. That could be Alonzo Ball. Okay. The thing about it is, Ramona, he needs... But the Lakers do not have shooters right now. That's right. The Lakers do not... They have some high basketball IQ guys, but they're young. Okay. And I wrote a column this, this summer. I mean, not this summer, this spring. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It was before this. Okay. <laughs> Most of the Lakers best players are 22 and younger. Like that's not exactly the profile of right. a team that LeBron James would join. But what's interesting about this conversation yeah. is we've just moved from it's going to be about the owner to parsing the roster. That's right. So it, it, it's interesting. It has to be the owner who has a willingness to do what it takes to find the players who can fit and, LeBron. And, and quite frankly, Rob and Magic do not have a track record of doing that. Yeah, and guess who does? Dan Gilbert. Yeah. Dan Gilbert has a track record, whether it's and, – and that track record, yes, also includes you know everything that Comic happened Sands this year. Comic Sans and everything else. Right? Comic Sans, everything else. But he has shown a willingness to spend gigantic amounts of money to go deep into the luxury tax to do what needs to be done how, how to sign th- the players that LeBron wants him to sign. The Lakers in the past have spent huge sums of money. Yes. You, you don't think that would be – I mean – Oh, they, I think that matters, and I think the Kobe contract matters. Like you go back in time – It's funny. I – Improbably defended the Kobe contract. I did at too. the time, but the reason I did is it's symbolic. Fully recognizing it was a terrible Absolutely. contract, yes. but that it was a signal to That's every right. future superstar that custody of yeah. your legacy here. That's right. Would be important. And as the and I remember it was very. I, con- that's exactly right. It was against my general sensibility. Um, but it was a symbolic thing. The team was going to suck for the next few years. And I think they understood that they had a lot of cap space, but cap space is only good if somebody wants to come play with you and somebody wants to use it. Now, you can spend it on a bunch of bad contracts. But I think they have the Lakers, and, and I know the Bus family really well. That was important. I talked to both Jim and Jeannie about it. That was important to them to honor the legacy of their great players and to treat them well. They did that with Magic Johnson. Remember, People forget about this. Magic signed that $25 million contract. 25 years, yeah, 25 good, million. That was a good the deal. lifetime contract. That was Jerry Buss gave him some, a piece of the team. I know. That was a great deal for Magic. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that part you know, you know how much he sold a piece of the team for? He probably shouldn't have sold it. He should have kept it. Definitely shouldn't have sold it. Did he have to sell it for, to go to the Dodgers? 
No, what was there no, he might have needed the a, cash. <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, um, Patrick hey, Soonshine had a lot of it. You only because we're talking, and you talk about ownership yeah. and all the criteria yeah. you set forth. Would he ever consider Miami again? I think he consider it. The problem is, um, I mean, it's a very uh, corporal environment, and I get that that's not necessarily his thing. Well, <laughs> the Heat love to tw- they the, the Heat love to work. And yeah, I just don't know if. Right. At this stage of his career, Age 30, although, as I said, it's a very cool I gotta, I gotta say, LeBron's playing forty-seven minutes. The Heat wouldn't yeah. play him forty-seven freaking minutes. Um, I actually think that he yearns for the structure of the Heat organization at times. Yeah, um, but um, they have very little mechanisms to improve their roster. Basically, LeBron would have to go to the Cavs and say, "Trade me to the Heat," and the Cavs would probably be willing to acquiesce, but they're not taking. Hassan, Hassan Whiteside. Whiteside. Yeah. You know, they're like, okay, we'll take Bam at a bio. We'll take, um, uh, why am I blanking? Garan Dragic. We'll take, uh, Olinick. You know, Winslow. Justice Winslow. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're, they're taking the prime assets yeah. and LeBron's not going to, right. LeBron, does, you know, yeah. I mean, is it functionally possible? The answer to that is yes. But then, by the way, they then have to get another free agent. They'd have to get Paul George to go to the magic, yeah. to the, uh, Boy, or I'm trade for somebody to the Thunder and say, "Hey, now you trade me to the Heat." I mean, or they or they could trade for somebody. I think there's going to be a lot more player movement than we all via trades, though. via trades, not necessarily via. Yeah, LeBron has the option in his contract, June 29th pickup, the Chris Paul maneuver. He can go to the Cavs and say, "Trade me to X," and the Cavs would most likely acquiesce. But they're not, like, for example, the Rockets. Like, LeBron could opt in and say, trade me to the Rockets. Yeah. The Cavs would attempt to work out a deal. However, they're not taking on Ryan Anderson. They're not going to take on Ryan Anderson to accommodate LeBron. They'll do a deal that that can benefit them. They'll send Uh, him away. uh, Eric Gordon. Yeah. They they would consider doing that. But then again, if LeBron's going there and you're trading key pieces. Now, again, if you're the Rockets, yes. Do you say goodbye to Capella and Eric Gordon to get LeBron James? Yes. But you can't trade Capella for him because Capella has, is a, is a free agent. RFA, yeah. You know. So it would have to be a post sign and trade. And in that situation, the Cavs are limited because they're a repeat taxpayer. It, it, it could functionally happen, but it, it's important to recognize that LeBron doesn't want to go to a team that has to strip pieces off of it. Here, here's what all this means. There is no great situation for him. That's right. I mean, I mean that, that's really the takeaway here is, is we can sit here and we can parse and talk about great ownership yeah. or magic in the room or the Heat are a little bit too militant about it and or you trade him here, but then they lose the things that would want him there yeah. in the first place. The bottom line is he doesn't have a great decision to make. Yeah. A lot of people are say Philly. I say whoa because yep. – LeBron has been very successful with two things. One, shooters. Mm-hmm. And if he goes to Philly, uh, Ilyasova, Bellinelli, Bellinelli, and JJ, probably gone. They're all, all free agents. Unless like one of them takes a huge discount, which is possible. But their shooters are going to be hard to all retain. Right, JJ at the mid-level, Embiid is a legitimate stretch five now. All right, hold your water. Is Joel Embiid, this is the second thing LeBron needs. LeBron needs a big man who will clear, who can stretch the floor. Is yeah. Joel Embiid... You two, you two know. know. Yeah. Is Joel Embiid prepared to spend fifty to sixty percent of the possession standing in the corner waiting for LeBron to deem it possible to throw him the pass? They do more creative things than that. I, I don't think he's a stand in the corner guy, but I think you can run a lot of. stuff. I mean, yeah, that, but you you know, play the Bosch, that lift right? him. That's what Brian's saying. Is it, would he be Chris Bosch? In other words, he's not going to get the post up touches he wants. Well, he'll get some, but he you know. and and and, on, and let's be real. Like as LeBron ages, he's going to be more in the post. Can, can, can yes. I have, can I have like a warm take here? Yes, a lukewarm. I think Ben Simmons is a center. Huh. I kind of reject the premise that even a center, such a center, exists anymore. But you don't like him as a ball handler. I like him as a ball handler. I hate him as a shooter. It makes him hard to to match up in those situations. I think. He's six foot ten. He's an incredible defensive player. But they are such a pro. Sp- and frankly, LeBron would make them even more post structuralist. I mean, I, that team. And it's one of the reasons I just yeah. love that team. It yeah. is. It is. It is. It is. Brett Brown is a mad scientist. Yeah, but in yeah. the best kind of way. Who is shooting? I mean, in well, they had three of them, but they're all free agents. Covington's a thirty nine percent guy. I know he bricked some in the playoffs. JJ comes back in, in some form. I think you're making a major assumption there. J, you, uh, JJ will be back when JJ is back. Okay. Yeah, I mean, 
He did a one-year, twenty-three million dollar contract, but he needs some security. Like players going, they do that. You do that once. I don't think you no, do I'm that saying, again. I'm, do you do? Do you? All do, I'm saying is, can he live on the MLE? I'm just saying. I, I, I'm listening to people, and they're like, "Oh, Philadelphia, 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 Philadelphia. Yeah. We, we, it's done. David Griffin's going to be hired to be Philadelphia. He's going to win the next eleven well, titles." Yeah. I'm let's like, aggregate, it let's aggregate assets and get a shooter. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's more, that, now you're talking. I mean, there, you know, if you, I love Dario Sarge. Yeah. But okay, okay. You aggregate some assets okay. and you go yeah. get a shooter. Sounds good. Let me know when they do that because okay. because right. if I'm LeBron, I'm like, see, yeah. if I'm LeBron, I'm not going to be piece A. That's right. I'm not going to be the guy that shows in and says, "Okay, let's team build." So aggregate LeBron's going to be piece yeah. get the shooter and then get. LeBron. That's the that's the interesting thing about this off season is. Every year in years past, LeBron is the first domino to fall, but it seems like this year he's going to be the last one. He won't he, be the last one. He's going to survey the, the landscape, though, and say, this is where I'm going to go, but, not try and drag everyone with him. But, but where are the shooters? I mean, they're in Houston. They're in, I mean, if, if, if we're using that metric now. Okay, so let's talk about where should we go? I don't know. I just covered them in the game seven when they went seven for four. Exactly. Well, that, that, that's my point. I mean, <laughs> where are the shooters in this league? I mean, you, I mean, Boston, I mean, no. I mean, uh, it's Cleveland. There you go. Path um, of least resistance. To be continued. And uh, path of least resistance and the path of most riches. Oh, very nice. We haven't to- spoken about that. If you want to talk legacy, how about being the highest paid player in NBA history and no one's going to be able to touch you? We'll, we'll save for that a for time. a later podcast because we have to go work. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. This work? is just been like... Uh, thank you for joining the Hoop Collective podcast. Ramona Shelburne is here. Kevin Arnovich. Shelly Smith stopped by. She just left. She just threw the microphone down. So. Yeah, she did. That's how Shelly... That's how I'm just done with you people. That's how legends roll. They're just like... Drop that's true. Mic. And Andrew Hahn. And uh, thank you to... The Lexus Lounge at Cavaliers facility for hosting us. Several of the arena workers who were going to come in and clean and decided not to while we were podcasting. Thank you very much.